everybody, and welcome to Mom Cooks Fast and Slow. I'm Alex Sullivan, and I'm delighted to have you at my kitchen table. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I know I've been a little quiet on the podcast recently, but I've kind of been rejiggering things and trying to figure out the direction I want to take it in. And also, I spent a month eating lasagna and cake. So here we are. We're starting off a new year a little late, but better late than never. Um, So I love having guests on. I love having conversations with people. And that's been going really well. And I'm going to continue to do that. Um, But also, I wanted to share with you guys stuff that I was interested in and things I've been researching. Um, So I am going to do occasionally some shorter monologues, just diving into things that I'm interested in. So hopefully that'll be fun and entertaining and also informational for you guys. And I appreciate you joining me on the ride as I continue to figure this out. Um, I should probably just get a job and become a research analyst somewhere, but I am enjoying too much staying home with my kids and being there to get them off the bus and being at every school event and things like that. So for now, this will be how I channel my energy. Um, And... Like I've explained before, I was in commodities. I, you know, read a lot of research and watered it down and disseminated it to my clients. And then I kind of used that skill set during the time when I was getting masks off our kids' faces uh, and looking into the research on how those were having a detrimental effect on our kids. Um, and now I'm using it to today look into the effects of social media. Um, and how that is affecting our children and our families and our communities and our relationships with each other, Um, depression rates, mental, negative mental health issues, all of that. So I wanted to share that research with you guys today. Um, It is a very heavy topic. I'm going to try and keep it light or as light as I can, Um, but it's something that I think we should be focusing on as a community. I'm working with some women in New Canaan to come up with ways to make technology use better for our kids, get them away from social media, maybe turn them towards more constructive ways of applying technology to their lives. Um, So we're going to get into all of that in this episode, um, and I hope you will enjoy. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube, you will be able to see all the charts I reference in the discussion and all the scientific research papers that I'm mentioning. But if you're just listening, I will do my best to describe the charts as we go along as I'm speaking about them. So to start, I'm going to play a clip from the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. And I suspect many of you watched this back in 2020 when it was was released Um, or, you know, Also, you could have been watching a ton of Tiger King, like I know I was. Um, So if you were watching more uh, Joe Exotic and less doomsday tech bro documentaries, it's worth going back and watching the documentary, The Social Dilemma. Um, The first person I'm going to put up here is Jonathan Haidt. And when I first watched this documentary, I didn't know who he was. I figured he was just some academic they brought on to discuss statistics. But I've actually become a huge fan of Jonathan Heights in the last four years, and he's definitely gained a lot more social recognition or academic recognition, media recognition since 2020. And I've listened to a bunch of podcasts he's been on. I've read essays that he's written for the free press. If you don't know what the free press is, and I highly recommend 
looking into it. And if you haven't read his book, The Coddling of the American Mind, or the sequel, The Canceling of the American Mind, I also highly recommend reading those. He gives an excellent scope of the issues facing our children and young adults today, and I think both are actually really worth the read. Um, So anyway, here is Jonathan on The Social Dilemma. There has been a gigantic increase in depression and anxiety for American teenagers, which began right around between 2011 and 2013, the number of teenage girls out of 100,000 in this country who are admitted to a hospital every year because they cut themselves or otherwise harm themselves, that number was pretty stable until around 2010, 2011, and then it begins going way up. It's up 62% for older teen girls. It's up 189% for the preteen girls. That's nearly triple. Even more horrifying, we see the same pattern with suicide. The older teen girls, 15 to 19 years old, they're up 70% compared to the first decade of the century. The preteen girls, who have very low rates to begin with, they are up 151%. And that pattern points to social media. Gen Z, the kids born after 1996 or so, those kids are the first generation in history that got on social media in middle school. How do they spend their time? They come home from school and they're on their devices. A whole generation is more anxious, more fragile, more depressed. They're much less comfortable taking risks. The rates at which they get driver's licenses have been dropping. The number who have ever gone out on a date or had any kind of romantic interaction is dropping rapidly. This is a real change in a generation. And remember, for every one of these, for every hospital admission, there's a family that is traumatized and horrified. My God, what is happening to our kids? Okay, so that's always hard for me to watch. But um, like I said, I'm going to try and keep this as light as I can. Um, This movie came out, like I said, in the fall of 2020. So it was before lockdowns, before the aggressive move to prioritize the youngest in our society dead last. It was before teenagers were forced inside and behind smartphones and computers for hours and hours on end. Um, And this research was actually done before TikTok had really taken off. So we didn't even have the feta pasta phenomenon yet, (laughs) which I actually, I don't even know. I made that dish once for my kids and they hated it. Does anyone still make that feta pasta? Um, Anyway, all this was happening before things got exponentially worse for our kids. And slowly but surely, these numbers have increased as our children spent less time together and more time on technology. Now, there are studies conducted every year to show how this is changing from year to year. So, so far, the most respectable and thorough studies we have only go through the end of 2020, which, not surprisingly, showed a further increase in adolescent depression compared to previous years that Jonathan Haidt mentions in the previous clip. And this chart here from the American Institute for Boys and Men shows the continued increase in adolescent depression from 2010, 
which was stable around 10 to 15% of girls under 18 and only 5% of boys under 18, to then jumping to 30% of girls under 18 having depression by the end of 2020 to about 10% of boys having depression. And since the studies are, are all ongoing, we'll have to wait a bit until we find out the findings from 2021 and 2022 and the depressive behaviors in adolescents. Um, so until then, we have to look at polls, which are significantly less reliable, but really good indicators about kind of what we should expect to see out of the research. Now, the University of Michigan has conducted a poll every year since 1991, targeting 8th, 10th, and 12th graders nationwide. And granted, this sample size is only 50,000 people, but it's a pretty good sample size and worth looking at their polling data. So as you can see in this chart here, they ask questions like, how likely are you to say, I can't do anything right, my life is not useful, or I do not enjoy my life? And starting in 2020, you can see a sharp tick up in answering yes to these questions among all age groups. To all of those questions, about 44 to 50% of adolescents polled that they agreed with those statements, which shows an 8 to 10 point increase from 2020. So things are definitely getting worse, and we will wait to see the actual data play out in the hard research, but it's not looking good. It's also important to note that the relationship between the rise in social media and smartphones and the rise in depression in teens isn't just a phenomenon in the U.S. In 2019, a study was done in the U.K., which showed a significant increase in the percentage of teenagers who are depressed directly correlated to the number of hours they spend on social media. This chart specifically shows that 40% of girls who use social media about five hours a day are clinically depressed. And for boys, the same amount of time use shows 15% of boys clinically depressed. Now, we'll get to boys in a second because um, the numbers are smaller here, but there is still cause for concern. Um, but again, this may not seem like huge numbers, for girls, but when you compare the baseline depression rate for girls, which is around 10% with zero social media use, that's a 300% increase in depressive symptoms from zero social media use to five hours a day. Additionally, in March of 2020, the Psychiatric Research and Clinical Practice produced a study that showed increase in depression, self-harm, and suicide among adolescents after 2012 is linked to technology use. Now, most of these studies show that social media affects girls multiples higher than it affects boys. However, it is worth noting that while girls may be statistically more depressed, boys are much more likely and effective at actually succeeding in suicide. So this statistics chart shows death by suicide in 2019 split by age and gender. And for the age group 15 to 24, boys are four times more likely to commit suicide than girls. Additionally, Jonathan Haidt also dug deep into the issues facing boys. And in his article here for the Free Press, he notes, I've learned that the collapse of boys' mental health is driven by different social and technological factors compared to girls. He goes on to say, quote, the rate of reported depression for girls was up by 145%, while boys are up 161% 
meaning that the relative change from, since 2010 was actually slightly larger for boys. So while the outright numbers are higher in girls, the rate of change is higher in boys. And you know, I'll par paraphrase a few more things from his findings, but it's worth reading the whole article. He also notes that boys have an increasing pessimistic outlook on how they fit into society since 1970s, and that has increased significantly since the introductions of smartphones. As many traditional masculine jobs have disappeared, the role of digital and entertainment technologies has successfully kept boys away from the real world and in retreat. And we're seeing this get even worse with easy access to porn, customizable AI girlfriends, addictive gaming tendencies. So boy moms, we are certainly not off the hook. Although now I'm reading about customizable AI girlfriends, like would I be opposed to that as a boy mom? Like can I customize a robot to want to hang at my house and bring my grandkids over every day? I don't know. It's a little tempting. Should we call Sam Altman and see if he can like sort that out for me? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Am I? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Real girlfriends are better than AI girlfriends, obviously. Um, okay, so I'll note here that there have been some initial studies showing that decrease in test scores and academic performance can be linked to smartphone use as well. But personally, I don't think these studies hold up to truly show causation and not just correlation. So I'm not ready to dive into these studies yet. Plus, I personally think academic performance among young people has different, more pressing factors than social media playing into it, but I'm going to leave that there for now. So like, which kind of leads me to my next point, correlation does not always equal causation. And there are plenty of instances where you can show that correlation to something doesn't prove that it caused the other thing to happen. And this is what a lot of people like Mark Zuckerberg have argued to say that, oh no, social media is having no effect of kid on kids' mental health. It's totally a correlation, not causation. Um, and an example people like to use is ice cream sales versus shark attacks. So like there's almost a one-to-one -one or like a 0.9 correlation between, you know, as ice cream sales go higher, so do shark attacks. But obviously that's correlation. You know, you're not, sharks aren't attacking more people as more ice cream sales are going up. I mean, maybe if you're hearing baby shark to do 24-7 as a shark. As you're buying ice cream, they want to attack you. But I, I don't think that's the case. So this is an example of correlation not being equal to causation. But what we do have are surveys that ask young people how they feel about social media and its effect on their mental state. And this is what a lot of people like Jonathan Knight have pointed to to show that it is causation, not just correlation between the rise of social media use and the mental state of our youth the negative mental state of our youth. Um, and I want to focus on this one statistic study where kids were asked to rank how negative an impact each social media app has on their mental well-being. And as you can see in this chart, YouTube was actually ranked a net positive by youth, which I think makes sense. I suspect kids that are going on YouTube are using it for things that interest them, like how to draw something or how to learn how to play something on the guitar, things like that. Um, my issue around YouTube is more about the commercials and the actual YouTube itself. But that's the last part of social media that 
the youth says has a positive effect on their mental health. After that, you can see that all the rest are, are negative. So increasing in negativity on children's mental health is Twitter, then Facebook being worse than Twitter, then Snapchat being worse than Facebook, and then worst of all, Instagram. And again, this was before TikTok. Um, an FHE health study found that 80% of people using social media self-reported that it is easier to be deceived by others through their sharing on social media. 60% reported it has impacted their self-esteem in a negative way. And 50% reported social media has negative effects on their relationships. Scientifically, self-reporting and personal polls are not obviously the gold standard to show causation, but at the very least, it's worth looking at this data and then listening to what our youth is telling us about the effects of social media on their mental state and trying to figure out what's going on. Now, I, I mentioned these studies were done before TikTok took off, and TikTok is way new beast. Um, and quite frankly, I find it to be as horrific, if not more horrific than Instagram. I mean, not only because when I see 13-year-olds who look like they're 19 dancing way more coordinated than me and my brace face friends ever did, um, I mean, like, they should learn how to be awkward just like we did. But um, anyway, in 2022, a study was conducted which showed, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it showed that kids were developing Tourette's, like Tourette's like ticks, after being on TikTok too long during the COVID era. They were watching people with ticks. The algorithm was continuing to give them more reels of people with these ticks. And then the viewer was forming these ticks. So to quote the study, it says, there is no question that social media is one of these factors given the rapid rise across geographical and cultural borders and striking similarities between the ticks on social media and the FTLB, functional tick-like behavior, seen in clinic. And then it goes on to say, quote, given this era of increased social media consumption and reliance on virtual technology to communicate remotely, the rise of functional tick-like behavior is unlikely to be the only mass sociogenic illness spread, unquote. So this means there are probably other mental illnesses that are being spread through TikTok that we have not looked into yet. The the entire study is fascinating, and I recommend reading it in its entirety, but the study was actually able to prove that social media use was causing physical representations of a mental illness, in this case in the form of ticks. But I mean, what other mental illnesses are going around and affecting our children and, and affecting their mental health? So this brings me to my next point, and I'm sure we can all attest to this, is how highly addictive social media is. And I'm going to put up another clip from The Social Dilemma where the creators of these platforms admit that they know how addictive it is, how it plays on human emotion, and how they happily did it anyway. We want to psychologically figure out how to manipulate you as fast as possible and then give you back that dopamine hit. We did that at, brilliantly at Facebook. Instagram has done it. WhatsApp has done it. You know, Snapchat has done it, Twitter has done it. I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that a, that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in, in human psychology. And I just, I, th I think that we, you know, we, the inventors, creators, you know, and it's, it's me, it's Mark, it's the, you know, Kevin Systrom and Instagram, it's all of these people, um, understood this consciously 
and we did it anyway. Okay, so I mean, what they're basically saying is that they knew how to give you a dopamine hit. And a dopamine hit is basically when you pull a slot machine and you get excited or when you take a drug and you feel a, a certain elation. Um, so essentially, the founders decided to create a technology that was a drug with zero guardrails for anyone and even for kids. So in addition to this anecdotal evidence from the founders of these companies, Scientific Reports has a study which shows brain alterations associated with social media use. In this study, again, I'm paraphrasing, but it shows when people use social media, they have reduced gray matter in their amygdala. And this area is linked to impulsivity, which suggests heightened impulsive behavior in social media addicts. It showed increased addiction was correlated to frequency of usage of social media as well as sex, meaning women were much more likely to be addicted to using social media than men. And then also, the more you use social media, the more addicted you will get, which, I mean, that makes sense. Like any drug, the more you use it, the more you need it. It did, however, note that the parts of the brain that are affected by drugs, like in drug addicts, differs from the parts of the brain affected by social media and social media addicts, which possibly implies that the tools we have to use to break the drug addicts of their addictions are not the same tools we can use to break social media addicts of their addictions. Okay, I know this is a lot to digest, but I wanted to lay everything out for us before we talk about how we can possibly fix the problem. And I have a few suggestions of how I've started to tackle my social media use um, because I do think a big part of helping our children is first helping ourselves. Um, I think you need to kind of walk the walk before you can talk the talk with your kids. I know there are good ways to use social media. Like I love following my fav favorite comics. I love watching a good Dave Portnoy pizza review. I love seeing, you know, a millennial guy pretend to be his Italian mother and telling him to clean up his shit or turn on his Christmas tree light or seeing someone renovate their house for $10,000. I still don't know how they do that. But, you know, it's those are fun and good ways to, to use social media. Um, but I do think we need to get rid of the toxic part that affects our relationships and our communities and things like that. Um, so these are just a few things that I've done that helped me. First of all, I've muted all my friends. And it's not because I don't love my friends. I do love my friends. And it's because I love them that I mute them because I don't want to know every aspect of their life before they tell me it. I want to reach out to them via text. I want to call them. I want to take an interest in their life and have a social connection with them other than just scrolling through an app to find out about their life and then never really talking about it or sending a heart emoji. You know, it's just, it's not the social connection I want with my friends. Um, and for the people in my life that I'm only connecting through, through social media, like, you know, maybe those friendships just need to go with their natural course. So mute your friends. That's one suggestion I have. Um, it also helps with FOMO. You know, if some of my friends are getting together and I wasn't necessarily invited for one way or another, or there was a party going on with a bunch of acquaintances that, you know, maybe I would want, have wanted to be invited or I didn't think about and getting invited, but then I'm seeing it on my social media and I'm feeling left out. Like, I don't have any of that because I'm not seeing it. And for better or for worse, it's really good for my mental health to not see it. So that's one suggestion. Another suggestion is to just stop posting. Um, I find that, you know, it took me three months to 
get comfortable with the fact that I wasn't posting my life on social media anymore. I wasn't getting the likes. I wasn't getting the, you know, double heart taps, whatever. Um, and at first it was hard because you're like, oh, no one's seeing what I'm doing. No, you know, I'm not feeling the connection or whatever. But then it became really easy because now my friends, when they know I've had a kid's birthday party or they know, you know, if a family member's been sick or if I went on a vacation, they're reaching out and finding out about it because they're no, I'm not going to post about it. And it's great because then we have real conversations. Um, so that would be my second thing. Don't post. And then the third thing that's helped me is I just delete the apps off my phone. So I don't delete the account, but I delete the easy, quick app. So it takes me a while to actually go on rather than just like numbingly clicking it on my phone. Um, and just to go back to the posting, I do still post for my mom cooks fast and slow. Like I still post recipes for people to use and share. And, you know, I want to, I like doing it. It's fun, but it has nothing to do with my social personal life. Um, you know, I have friends who are realtors that you should definitely still post on your realty account to try and you know, find new business or artists that want to post their art to sell. Like, great. Those are all really good uses of social media. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the ways that have helped me kind of keep my social media use in check. But now on to the kids, which is really the most important part. And I think it's hard to totally take away social media from our kids, especially if they're already on it. It's easier to delay the younger kids. Um, it's harder to totally take it away. So maybe some of the things that I mentioned that I use for adults, you can use for your kids if they're already on social media. But I want to post another clip from Jonathan Haidt here where he discusses what he thinks would solve the problem. So I'm going to play it for you now. That it's not just a dose response thing. It's imagine Imagine one middle school where everyone has an Instagram account and it's constant drama. Everyone's constantly checking and posting and worrying. And imagine going through puberty that way versus imagine there was a policy, no phones in school. You have to check them in a locker. No one can have an Instagram account. All the parents are on board. Parents only let their kids have Instagram because the kid says everyone else has it. We're, and that's we're stuck in a social dilemma. We're stuck in a trap. So what's the solution? Keep kids off until they're done with puberty. So I wholeheartedly agree with Jonathan Haidt. Um, if it were me, you know, I would want to wait until senior year of high school because by senior year of high school, kids are kind of getting out of their cliques. They're looking towards college. They're, you know, being nostalgic about their childhood and growing up with all the kids in their town. And I just felt like our senior year, everyone got along pretty much. I mean, like everyone was making out with everyone. It was a free for all. Um, and, you know, it was it was probably an easier time to introduce something that could have made clickiness or bullying worse because everyone was kind of over it by senior year. Um, but I know that's not realistic. So I realized that, you know, ninth grade, eighth grade, like the wait until eighth program is really popular. You know, that's probably where this winds up. Um, but just, you know, something to keep in mind, if we can all as parents get on board to delay social media use or smartphone use, it'll make it a lot easier for all of us. I realize that it will be difficult as a parent to do this because there's so much peer, peer pressure from kids and kids' parents for everyone to get on it. But I did want to play one last clip from a podcast called Now We're Talking Darianne. It's two women out of Darianne who... I have a podcast and they talk about all things Darianne, but um, in 2022, 
really, really sadly, Darian went through a difficult time where there were a few suicides in town, both young kids and, you know, a, a dad. Um, and they did a deep dive into kind of the mental health issues going on in their town. And I, I just thought this one part was really pertinent to this conversation. Um, so hear it for yourself. For parents, if, if your parents um, were to tell you, like, you're done, like, do they put rules on you for your social media? And if they did, how would you react to it? They don't. But I feel like if they did, I would be upset. I would feel like I was being left out. Like, I would get, fear, like, FOMO, like, fear of missing out if I didn't have it because I wouldn't be able to see what's going on and stuff like that. Okay. But do you think, can you take a step back and say, do you think it might be good for you? Sometimes your parents said no. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that would help. So I just think that is so interesting because clearly our kids want us to take the social media away, but also they're going to push back hard when we do it. Um, and that's kind of the whole crux of the, the situation that we face. Um, and that's what a few moms in New Canaan and I are trying to work on is how do we how do we navigate this as parents. And, you know, some of the ideas we've come up with are, you know, when they're young, maybe you have all the restaurants in town carry, you know, crafts that we could su supply to, to them to have for kids instead of turning on YouTube when they're at dinner with their parents, you know, the restaurant has arts and crafts that they can do or, you know, in middle school have skate nights or movie nights or things like that, um, that we can provide for them where no phones are allowed or no social media is allowed or no technology is allowed. Just have them just be kids for a night. And then in high school, you know, I was thinking maybe you have networking events with people in technology in our town for, our kids to learn really constructive ways to use technology, like people involved in AI or other kind of technology platforms that will enhance their opportunities rather than using technology in the most destructive way in the form of social media. So these are all things that we're thinking about. And if you have any ideas or you want to get involved in trying to make this movement happen in New Canaan, you know, please email me at momcooksfastandslow at gmail.com and I can get you added to our group. Um, if you're in a different town and you want to think about ways you can help your town try and solve this problem, you know, happy to put our heads together and, and think about how we can spread it out. Again, the Wait Until Eighth program does this. They have a great platform for it. It's worth looking on their website. Uh, but I do think that making this more community-based and more homegrown will have a better and more positive effect on our communities than kind of signing up for this big national program. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, I, you know, a little bit goes a long way. So, you know, if you want to start with wait until eighth and then move forward from there, that's great too. Um, anyway, I hope you found everything I laid out for you, educational, informational. I know it was heavy, but, um, you know, I hope you were a little bit entertained with some of my stories. Um, but otherwise, have a great day and I'll talk to you sometime soon.